right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm just going to talk, and, and you're probably going to guess who this next artist is. Let's just talk a little bit. The Christmas song, Mona Lisa, Frosty, the Snowman. Get your kicks on Route 66. Orange colored sky. Oh, I know one. He recorded two or three times. His daughter recorded it too with him, even after he was gone. Unforgettable. Who am I talking about? That's right. Nathaniel Adams Coles with an S. Better known as Nat King Cole. Yeah, you got it. Nat King Cole. Now let's talk about Nat King Cole. He was born in Montgomery, Alabama in 1919. That was a bad year to be born in the South, especially in Montgomery, Alabama, as you know how that history went. And luckily for your Nat, your daddy became a preacher and got a job preaching in Chicago, free at last, free at last. There they go up to Chicago, and that's about four. And he gets up there, and as he grows, his mother, who played organ in the church, you know, we had a family affair there at that church. And daddy had to be up there preaching. My mama had to be, uh, you know, playing the organ. And uh, there was a half-sister, and there was uh, four boys. He had three brothers. And the funny thing is, all his brothers were musicians, too, all of them. We know Freddie Coles, you know, uh, probably the most famous one other than uh, Nat King Cole, but we rarely put the two of them together because Freddie is Freddie Coles with an S, and Nat King Cole, people generally don't put those two together. They're brothers. Yeah. So Nat grew up as a young kid playing organ and piano, and he finally started taking lessons once he got better than his mama was, and uh, he just wanted to be a jazz piano player. What? He wanted to be a jazz piano player. Yeah, he had a trio. Bass, guitar, and piano. And here's what he did, straight ahead jazz. Straight ahead jazz. And uh, someone asked him to sing a song. You know how it is, you're on the gig playing and someone walk up with some money in their hand and say, if you sing so-and-so and so, I give you a real good tip. Well. That money. And whether you can sing or not, you do want that money. And Nat didn't know the song that the guy wanted, but he sang something else for him. And the guy loved it so much that he did give him the money. But what happened at that moment is everybody go, that boy can sing. And at that moment, Nat went from being Nat King Cole, the great jazz piano player, to Nat King Cole, who is a jazz piano player where he sings much better, or at least is good. And his money was going to come from his singing. That's right. Now, as a kid, he grew up in Chicago like all the black kids do. His family tried to guide him to uh, aspire to higher things, put him in the uh, Billiken band, same band that Lionel Hampton was in. And, uh, you know, it was kind of like a uh, substitute for the Boy Scouts since the Boy Scouts were segregated and the Billiken Club was what black kids had that uh, since they could not be Boy Scouts. And they had a little band and, um, of course, uh, Nat uh, played in that. 
I'm not sure what he played, probably drums or xylophone or something of uh, that effect. At any rate, he grows up just singing a little bit and playing a lot. His first albums were all instrumental. But then once he started recording all of me and things like that in the Christmas song, and uh, people started going, oh. And in his hits, I mean, from 44 on, he just had hit after hit after hit after hit. So he is becoming the most popular African-American entertainer in this country. And with that comes certain prompts, something I'm the first to do this. Radio show, first one. He had a 15-minute radio show, the first black ever. And he sponsored it himself. He knew how to invest in himself. And then later, that got expanded to 30 minutes. He was doing well. He even had a sheet TV show. First TV show hosted by a black man. But TV didn't work so well for Nat King Cole because, well, he is black, and you can see that real clear. And there were some people who really loved to hear him but didn't like looking at him so much. So that show did not last very much, or very long, rather. And uh, Nat was heartbroken by it and couldn't get sponsors, couldn't get anybody supported financially. And that prompted him to make uh, this comment. Uh, he says, you know, Madison Avenue is afraid of the dark. And, and if you're not very smart, then you can't read between those lines. And I'm not going to interpret that for you. I'm just going to say it one more time. Madison Avenue is afraid of the dark. Now, he was not a forward-thinking man in terms of civil rights. Um, he was just frustrated with what had happened to him, and he knew it was because of the skin he was in. But he was making good money, got the album record, everything was going well. He had this funny attitude about things. He would go into the deep south and perform for Jim Crow audiences. In other words, an all-white audience one night and an all-black audience the next. Now we're getting close to the 50s and the civil rights thing and the NACP is rising up <coughs> and whatnot. And uh, he even uh, uh, had the opportunity to do some things about it and wouldn't. Just, just wouldn't. Now, he would every now and then sue a hotel. If he was performing in a northern hotel, and then they refused to serve him dinner or lunch or breakfast in their cafeteria. So he had one attitude that led him to sue northern hotels. But in the South, he was very compliant. If it was an all-white audience, he, he let it go. If they said, you can't eat here, he didn't eat. If they said, you can't sleep here, he didn't, he, he didn't sleep. If they said, you can't drink from that faucet, he would drink from that faucet. 
This caused him some problems among the black community. Matter of fact, civil rights people, including the great Thurgood Marshall, out and out called him an Uncle Tom for putting up with that Jim Crow stuff in the South. Other people suggested that Harlem boycott his, rock, his records because they did not want to be listening to Uncle Nat's music. That, that's some big, big criticism. And it hurt Nat. And it made him take a look at himself. And one of the first things he did was financially support the bus boycott in his birthplace of Montgomery, Alabama. He became great friends with Martin Luther King himself and fully supported the 1963 March on Washington and became a lifetime member of the Detroit branch of the NAACP. So this criticism hurt him and it changed him. Now that was like most blacks at this time, a Republican. And he supported and even sang for Dwight D. Eisenhower. But by 1960, he at the Democratic Convention. This is the period in when most blacks moved from Republican to Democrat and were supporting John F. Kennedy because Frank Sinatra had recruited Nat King Cole and many, many other famous entertainers to support Kennedy. And of course, when Frank Sinatra calls your phone, you answer. And when Frank says jump, you don't ask how high, you just jump. So Nat did that. But I think he also believed in the vision of this country that Kennedy was putting forth. Now back to the music. He's very popular with all these songs with his wonderful voice. But really, what was he doing? Well, we'll go back and listen to it. It's really jazz. Uh-huh. If you listen to the arrangements, it's a big band jazz back there just jamming with Nat putting that creamy, luscious vocal on top of it. He always stayed true to his love of jazz. He was also a brilliant man, a linguist. In 1958, just before the Cuban Revolution, he went to Cuba. He went to Cuba to record Cole Espanol, a recording of songs all sung in Spanish. Groundbreaking. No one ever heard anything like that. An American artist singing in Spanish? A black one at that? Oh, what a big hit. He ended up doing two more, one in 1959 and one in 1961. But in 1958, before the Cuban Revolution, Cuba was just like Montgomery, Alabama in terms of its racial policies. You see, they got classes of, 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 of people over there. 
People like me with this kind of skin I got, I would not be considered black in that Cuba. Pre-revolution Cuba. I would be a mulatto, which means I would have certain rights. But the darker skinned brothers and cousins I have, they would have a right because they would be considered black and so they'd be segregated. Well, Nat King Cole, unfortunately, did not have my complexion. So in Cuba, he was considered a black and therefore was not allowed to stay at the hotel he was performing at, the Tropicana. He wasn't allowed to, he wasn't allowed to stay there. And that, that shocked him. This is Cuba for God. Are you kidding me? Well, with the crisis going on down there now, here's a little background for you. Look at that too. At any rate, uh, he did make more of those Spanish albums in um, 59 and 61. Of course, this is after the revolution and uh, we don't have any reports of any issues there. But we also don't have any conclusive proof that he actually recorded those in Cuba either. So we do know about 1958. Nat King Cole continued to do what he did. When he recorded Unforgettable, it was the only vocal on that album, and I'm thinking, I'm guessing uh, late 50s, it was an all-instrumental album. He going back to doing his piano trio thing and swinging, which he loved to do, and he put this one vocal on that album. And that one vocal was unforgettable, and let's just face it, it was exactly that, unforgettable. We remember the song he sang, very few of us remember the songs he played. Maybe while we are thinking about Nat King Cole, we need to go back and listen not just to his vocals, but to his piano playing, because his early trio set the pace, set the groundwork for small jazz groups to come forever. Bebop is based on the concepts in small group dynamics developed by Nat King Cole with his first groups. And all small group jazz owes a debt to Nat King Cole, not as the vocalist, entertainer, television artist, actor, personality, but as a jazz piano player. So, Nat was also a chain smoker, probably because of the turbulence of life. And as such, he left us in 19... 65. I, I remember my mother being so upset and so sad because she said, I'll never hear another new Nat King Cole song. Well, thank God they did release a couple more albums of unreleased music after he had died. So she did get that. But cancer just 46 years old, this great genius, is silence. But not before he revolutionized instrumental jazz and vocal jazz and did many first, first radio program, first television program, 
actor, arranger, composer, singer, civil rights advocate, finally civil rights advocate, friend of Martin Luther King, father, husband, just all around great guy. Ladies and gentlemen, you know how well he sang. Now go back and check out what he did instrumentally because that is the true genius of Nathaniel Adams Coles, better known as Nat King Cole, who was only with us from 1919 1965. I hope you've enjoyed this little talk. Thank you very much.